ask you to take your Bibles. We're going back to Exodus chapter 5. When you get to Exodus chapter 5, go to verse 1. If you're using the Pew Bible in front of you, it's going to be on page 65. Have I mentioned to you that I'm glad to be standing right here again with you this week? I uh, missed last week. We, uh, from the ER, we were with you in church. We were listening. Angela listening much more intently than I was, most likely. But uh, Jeff did a great job. Thank you, Jeff Haynes, for uh, doing a great job yesterday. I got good feedback from him and, um, or from, from you all about the job that he did. Exodus chapter 5, and picking up in verse 1 here in just a minute. Um, Friday, I actually ventured out a couple of uh, times in the last week, sort of doing a test run, you know, to make sure I could get all brush my teeth and comb my hair and get outside and still function and do all of those things. And so obviously it's working. I'm here today. But on Friday, we uh, were on this side of Murfreesboro and we were going to stop and get diapers. And you're going, Jeff, why are you getting diapers? Well, just a reminder, Angela's the director of the pregnancy center here in town and they go through a lot of diapers and as they give them out, you have to buy them. And so we routinely go through and, and purchase um, diapers. And so I went in to that Walmart there and had a buggy full of number six size, which are, I think are the biggest sizes that they'll do. And I had uh, four cases of those diapers. And we were, I was, uh, Angela was not with me. And so I was going in to, uh, to pay. And it was like Black Friday in there. I think they had one and a half registers open and people were lined up through everything. And I'm going, I'm buying diapers. I'm trying to do the right thing here. I can't get anywhere. And finally it hits me, Lawn and Garden. So you know what I did? I went all the way to Lawn and Garden. That guy down at Lawn and Garden had nothing going on. He's just standing there by his register. And so I said, can I check out right here? And he said, well, sure. I'm going, man, I feel like I'd hit the lottery. And so I hand him one. I give him my tax-exempt thing that the first choice has. And he has to ring that in. He says, I've not done one of these before. So he calls somebody over, and they figure it out, and they get it all done. But it pops up, and it says, first choice pregnancy center. And he sees that I've got a buggy full of diapers. And I hand him one of the cases. I got four of these cases of diapers. And he rings them up, and he rings them up, and he rings them up, and he rings them up. And it's like uh, $98 or something like that. And so I have the credit card. I'm getting ready to pay. And for some reason, he's standing, I'm right here on this side of the register, and he's on this side of the register. I don't think much about it. He walks around the little register in Lawn and Garden, reaches for his wallet. I'm still not figuring out what's going on. Opens up his wallet, pulls out his card, and sticks it in there. And I'm going, hey, what are you doing? He said, I'm, I'm paying for these diapers. I said, you don't need to do that. He said, no, I want to. He said, I appreciate what this ministry stands for. And I want to do this. And it overwhelms me. The heart of this, I don't know, he's probably 26-year-old young man. Didn't notice a ring, but I wasn't looking too much. I don't know why this ministry caught him, but he, working at Walmart, probably spent every penny that he was going to make that day on paying for those diapers. I was blown away. It's amazing 
what we will do with our lives when something touches our heart, when it matters to us, amen? When we have a soft heart toward something, and, and everybody has a soft heart toward something, if not more than one something. But at the same time, I was walking out to the car, and I'm going, God, you truly cannot be outgiven. Lord, help me, one, to be thankful. And I've been praying for this young man every single day. Lord, bless him because he's living, seeking to do the right thing. But Lord, help me to be more generous, to be listening to you. Soften my heart so that I can live for you. I ask you to stand with me. We're going to read from Exodus chapter 5. I'm going to read the first five verses. Exodus chapter 5, picking up in verse 1, says, Afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. So they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three days' journey into the desert, and sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with sword. Then the king of Egypt said to him, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people from their work? Get back to your labor. And Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are many now, and you make them rest from their labor. Thank you. You may be seated. Keep your scripture open. I promise you, if you're a note taker today, will not be a wasted time of taking notes. And I promise you that if you're not a note taker and you desire that today might be the day for you to begin taking notes, I would agree with you. And there's probably a piece of paper, note paper, in the pew in front of you. I want to encourage you, keep your Bible open. We are going to touch a lot of scriptures today, and I don't want you to miss it. As I've said before, I may not do a great job of what God wants me to do today. That would be my fault. But I know where we're going and what God wants us to talk about today, that I am clear upon. And I pray that that's important to you as we open up Scripture. Verse 1 says, afterward, chapter 5, verse 1, afterward, let me just give you just a running where we are, after meeting with God at the burning bush, after leaving and going back to Egypt, after cleaning up his sin issues with God, after reuniting with Aaron, after meeting with the children of Israel. Those are the things that have recently happened in Exodus leading us to this point. Verse one says, afterward, Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh. Now, I didn't do a lot of studying about this, but isn't it amazing? It appears as though every time Moses and Aaron need a moment with Pharaoh, they get a moment with Pharaoh. There's something spiritually there for this man not to care, but every time there's an opportunity there, God creates this opportunity for Moses and Aaron. You know, they never said, you can't come before the king. The king doesn't want to talk to you anymore. He's tired of talking to you. No, every time God sends Moses and Aaron to talk to Pharaoh, they get an audience with Pharaoh. Church, that's important to understand that God has a way of getting his messages through to us if we will but allow him to have his way. And they say to Pharaoh in verse 1, likely some of the most well-known words in all of Exodus, and I can remember this as a child, and I can remember teaching children this. They say that the Lord God of Israel says, let my people go. 
And Pharaoh was very quick and telling in his response. You see what we said in verse two? He says, who's the Lord? Why should I obey his voice? I do not know the Lord. And because I do not know the Lord, I'm not gonna let his people go. And Moses and Aaron, they reiterate by asking again, mentioning the specific things that God had told them to say in Exodus 3, 18. And Pharaoh, in verse 4, after hearing their second request, says, do you take the people from their work? Now, that tells us that as Moses and Aaron have come and talked with the people, and they said, now we're going to go talk to Pharaoh about let my people go. We're getting out of here. God's going to deliver us from this. It appears as though this country of Israel, children of Israel, had just stopped working and we're all just waiting on what's happening in this meeting. And Pharaoh notices this. And not only does he not know who God is, not only does he not going to obey the Lord, he says, why are you taking the people from their work? In verse four, he says, get back to work. You make the people rest from their work in verse 5. And Pharaoh does what I think is probably a very smart thing to do if you're Pharaoh, given this situation, is he tries to quell this uprising very quickly. If we were to read, and we're not going to, I want to encourage you to take time to read Exodus chapter 5, picking up in verse 6 through verse 23. But let me tell you what sort of happens in those verses. Pharaoh says the people must have too much time on their hands. Stop giving them straw. You know, they're in the brick-making business, children of Israel are for Egypt as their slaves. Stop giving them straw, which is one of the two main components of making brick. Make them gather their own straw, but do not reduce their daily quota or their requirement every day to produce, and they will continue to be expected to produce that, and if not, they will be punished. The people see that this conversation with Moses that had with Pharaoh was the cause of all of this. And that scripture tells us where they were really burdened quite a bit because of this conversation over the next few days. And then we see the beginning of what is, this is the first time it happens in Exodus, but just keep watching for it. The people complain to Moses. They're saying, you did this. You have caused us to look bad in Pharaoh's eyes and you've made our lives hard. You've done this, Moses. And verse 21, it says, let the Lord judge you. And Moses, in turn, in this cycle we see in the book of Exodus, turns and complains to God and blames God in verse 22 and 23. And he says, why have you brought all this trouble on the people and you have not even delivered the people at all? It's interesting, by all of these reactions, you could see that the people expected much different results. Aren't we like that sometimes? God says, I've called you, now go. I'm gonna deliver you from Egypt. And they get there, Moses says that, and people go, good, I'm ready to go. And they go in and meet with Pharaoh, and Pharaoh doesn't really quite like the idea, but the people go, huh, why ain't God figuring that out? You know, I, I get that, I can relate. God in his own wisdom that I don't always understand has allowed me to go through 11 days of God, why are you not letting me go with these kidney stones? Now, I've talked with some of you. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you do, you know you never want to go there again. 
If you haven't been there, don't. You don't want to earn that badge. But it always takes time. Time to change a heart, to change a life. Now, Pharaoh's response should not come as a surprise to us. It's not surprising to God. God had already told Moses and Aaron if they would listen. Told Moses in Exodus 3.19, at the burning bush, the very first time he said, but I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go, no, not even by a mighty hand. And God had already told Moses on his journey back to Egypt in Exodus 4.21, he says, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. God had told Moses that this was going to be a challenging journey, but a journey that would end in victory. Now, I'll tell you, that hope of victory is an important thing. I realize it now more than I would have had I preached this last week. You see, pain is okay if you know there is a point where it ends. Amen? But when you have no idea if that kidney stone is moving and the pain is worth it. Oh, sorry, I got personal there for a second. But if we don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, we struggle. But God had told them in chapter 3, going to be a challenge, but there's victory. In chapter 4, going to be a challenge, but there's victory. So today we're going to spend just a few minutes talking about this hardening of the heart issue. It didn't take long when I knew that I was going to preach in Exodus for some of you to ask me about this hardening of the heart issue. Uh, Many of you are interested last, not last week, but the week before you said, because I covered it, we just didn't talk much about it in in last week's scripture, talked about it uh, a little bit. This hardening of the heart issue, because it says in scripture that that the Lord hardened his heart. But it also says in Scripture that Pharaoh hardened his own heart. And so we've got to figure out this very important theological issue of Pharaoh's heart and how it became hardened. You see, if we don't take time to understand this, scripturally speaking, it will directly impact how we view God. It will directly impact how we serve God and how we live our lives for God. So let me start with the obvious. If you're a note taker, I'm not gonna ask you to turn to these verses, but if you're a note taker, let me just tell you something obvious. 2 Peter 3, 9 says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness, but is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Scripture teaches that God loves you and wants you to be made right with him through Jesus. And that you is any you and every you. Whether you are in this room or you are online, whether you know God or do not know God, it is God's desire for you to be made right with him. Everybody, amen? 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 through 5 says this, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Again, Scripture teaches us that it is God's desire that everyone come to know him 
through Jesus. God wants all to be made right with him. You're going, Jeff, but that's obvious. Well, let's let me say obvious another way. I was reading in the Old Testament, Ezekiel 33, 11 says this. The Lord says, say to them, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways, for why should you die, O house of Israel? That's Ezekiel 33, 11. Ezekiel 18, 23 says a similar point. It says, do I have any pleasure at all in the wit that the wicked should die, says the Lord, and not that he should turn from his ways and live? So we state the obvious from the positive side. I want all to come be made right with me through Christ. And then from the counter side, I don't want any to perish, and I get no joy out of those who do not know me dying. God wants all to be made right with him. That's obvious. So given that scenario, how are we to understand the hardening of Pharaoh's heart? God's word can teach us that. And this is where I need you to get limber a little bit. I hope you have your scripture open that you're on Exodus chapter five because we're going to go for a walk right here. A little bit of a journey, not in the wilderness, but in God's word to help us understand this hardening of the heart issue. Now, I want to give you a spoiler alert for just a second. Some of you may not know, but there are 10 plagues coming in Egypt's future very soon. We're going to talk about them today. I don't want to wreck that for you, but we're going to talk about them. We're not going to talk about the plagues themselves. We're going to pull out a a single verse or maybe two verses about each plague, and not even specifically about the plague. We're going to look at the plagues only from the perspective of what those plagues did in and to Pharaoh's heart. So if you're a note taker, I'm going to keep you with me all the time. We're going to touch one small statement. We'll cover the plagues in greater detail very soon, I promise. So if you're in Exodus chapter 5, go to Exodus chapter 7. Just flip over. Go to Exodus chapter 7. Read verse 22. Now, this is in response to the first plague. You see, Pharaoh wouldn't let the people go, and God said, well, if you don't let the people go, then we're going to have to force you to let the people go, and there are going to be plagues come your way if you don't let the people go. You know, the very fact that there are 10 plagues, is that not an act of mercy on God's side? You know, with my mom, I usually got one chance to do what she asked me to do. But God says, and he did it 10 times. So think about this as we talk about it. But water turned to blood is the first plague. But read in chapter 7, verse 22, it says, Then the magicians of Egypt did so with their enchantments. It means they also turned the water to blood. And Pharaoh's heart grew hard, and he did not heed them as the Lord had said. Now, I've got this written out. I spent a lot of time over the last, actually, a week ago, and then I've touched it again this week. Um, Notice that it says Pharaoh's heart grew hard, but nobody's given any credit for it. It doesn't say that Pharaoh did it. It doesn't say that God did it. It just said that it happened. Now, I want you to hold on to that because I'm a little bit of a scorekeeper here, so that's question mark who did it one, okay? 
Now, look in Exodus chapter 8, verse 15. We're just going to walk through here, so just stick with me. This is the plague of the frogs, and in chapter 8, verse 15, at the end of that it said, but when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, the frogs had come, he had entreated Moses, Moses had entreated God, God had pulled the frogs away, and it said, but when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart, and he did not heed them as the Lord had said. Did you notice there on the plague of the frogs, number two, who was responsible? Scripture says that he, Pharaoh, hardened his heart. Keep going. Look at Exodus 8, chapter 32. I mean, Exodus 8, verse 32. This is the, uh, I'm sorry, look at verse 19. I'm getting ahead of you just, I'm getting ahead of myself just a little bit. Verse 19. This is the lice or the gnats, just dependent upon how you read it. That's the third plague. And verse 19 says this, Then the magicians said to Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart grew hard, and he did not heed them, just as the Lord had said. Now, there again, there's no credit given there. You see how I'm watching for who's given responsibility for this hardening. First one, nobody. Second one, Pharaoh. Third one, nobody. Now, keep up with me here. You're going, how many more do we have left? Well, there's 10 plagues. I've done three, so we have seven more. Just keep up with me here. Verse 32 of chapter 8 talking about the plague of flies. And after that, it says, but Pharaoh hardened his heart at this time also, neither would he let the people go. Did you notice there who did it? Pharaoh did it. Then there's the plague number five, the pestilence on the livestock. If you're with me, go to chapter nine, just keep going. Verse seven. It says, then Pharaoh sent, and indeed, not even one of the livestock of Israel was dead, but the heart of Pharaoh became hard, and he did not let the people go. Again, nobody given credit for that. So just to help if you're keeping score, and I am, I've got this all written down right here. Through the first five plagues, Pharaoh has hardened his own heart twice by definition in Scripture, and there's no clear who did it three times in the first five plagues. Everybody, everybody with me? Don't let your eyes glaze over. There's a point coming that you don't want to miss, okay? Let's look at boy, let, uh, number six. Plague number six, go to verse 12 of chapter nine. This is about the boils. Verse 12 says, but the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh and he did not heed them just as the Lord had spoken to Moses. So here we are for the first time in plague number six. God is given responsibility for hardening Pharaoh's heart. Now look at number seven. This is a key turning point. This is when I started going, aha, maybe we can figure something out here. The um, hail, look at Exodus chapter nine, verse 34, and I'm also gonna read verse 35. This is an important point. It says, and when Pharaoh saw that the rain, the hail, and the thunder had ceased, he sinned yet more, and he hardened his heart, he and his servants. So the heart of Pharaoh was hard, Neither would he let the children of Israel go as the Lord had spoken by Moses. Did you notice that Pharaoh did that? Now, I read verse 35 right there just to give you a little insight. And I want to stop and tell you about a certain word here in uh, Exodus 9, 35. It says, so the heart of Pharaoh was hard. That word right there in the original Hebrew language is a word called 
Kazak. It's spelled K-H-A-Z-A-Q. You may also find it spelled C-H-A-Z-A-Q. Kazak. It is a verb. It's an action to make hard, to grow rigid, to become firm. Now, if you take that plus the grammar, verse 34 said it was Pharaoh that hardened his heart. So verse 35 continues on with Kazak, says that it's Pharaoh's responsibility, Kazak, to harden his heart. Now, that's an important thing. Because Kazak is the same word, Pharaoh's responsibility, that you will find in chapter 7 that we read, verse 22, in Exodus 8, 19, and Exodus 9, 7, which I believe gives us spiritual ground to be able to see that Pharaoh was responsible for hardening his heart in the plagues where no one was given credit. Through seven plagues, if you're keeping score, seven hardening, talked about in Scripture, six actions. If you give him all that are saying Pharaoh did it, plus all that relate to that Hebrew word, Kazakh, that was tied back to Pharaoh, six of the seven times his heart has been hardened through these plagues have been done by Pharaoh, and one time, number six, done by God. This is important, church. Now, let me finish. You're still with me. Look in chapter 10, verse 20. It's the plague of the locusts. And it says, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he did not let the children of Israel go. So God did it. Then the plague of darkness, number nine, look at chapter 10, verse 27. It says, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he would not let them go. God did it. And then the last one, the death of the firstborn, look in Exodus chapter 11, verse 10. So Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the children of Israel go out of his land. Ten plagues, ten hardenings, Pharaoh's heart. And Pharaoh caused his heart to be hardened six times, Scripture teaches us, all early in the process, and God caused his heart to be hardened all late in the process, six, eight, nine, and ten. God completed what Pharaoh began. Now, I mentioned to you there are 10 plagues. God was patient with Pharaoh. 10 times he gave him a chance to do what God said, to determine who he was. You see that, right? Do you see that God has been long-suffering in this situation? See, children of Israel going, Lord, why are you not letting me out? I want to get out of here. You said we were going to go. But God says, I've got other people that I want to be made right as well. So what was Pharaoh's problem? Why would he not yield to God? So I do a little bit of historical study, and if you've done this at all, did you know that in Egypt, Pharaohs, they had names, but they were a position. But did you know that in Egypt, Pharaohs were considered to be deities. They were considered to be gods. They were considered to be the intermediaries between the gods in the heavens and the people. They were gods. And I think that's very interesting. But what does that mean to us today? And you're going, Jeff, you need to get me to where this means something to me today. 
You know, Pharaoh's problem was that in order for him to recognize that the Lord was God, he was going to have to surrender his own personal God status. He was going to have to properly reduce himself to who he was before an almighty God. And now I trust that the Holy Spirit's beginning to pull things together for you. What kept Pharaoh from acknowledging God was how he felt about himself. You see, Scripture teaches that in order to be made right with God, we must die to self. Matthew 16, 24 says, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Romans 12, 1 says, We are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Colossians 3, 3 says, For you died, for your life is hidden with Christ in God. Pharaoh hardened his heart continually by the withholding of himself before God that eventually God let him have his way. And you're going, would would God do that? Write this scripture down. You don't need to turn there. I've got it marked right here. Romans chapter one, verses 20 to 25 says this. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. Therefore God, listen, church, Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever and ever. Amen. Do you see that? That there comes a point in time when we live our lives so about us, so about us. We are God. We are in charge of our lives that God will go Okay, okay, if that's what you want. That's not what I want, but if that's what you want, okay. But God was not going to let Pharaoh's choice change what his ultimate plans were. Also write this verse down. Romans chapter 9. I want to read this one final passage to you. Romans 9, starting in verse 15, says this. For he, that's God, says to Moses, I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whomever I have compassion. So then it is not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, For this very purpose, I have raised you up that I may show my power in you and that my name may be declared in all the earth. Did you notice right there that God didn't say, I set you up to wreck you so that I could be glorified. God said, I put you in position to bring glory to me and you chose not to. Therefore, he has mercy on whom he wills and whom he wills, he hardens. You will then say to me, why does he still find fault? 
But indeed, O man, verse 20, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, why have you made me like this? Catch this phrase. Does not the potter, Zach, talking about the worship song, does not the potter have power over the clay from the same lump to make one vessel for honor and another for dishonor? Did you notice that God said, I raised Pharaoh up to bring my glory, and Pharaoh chose to harden his heart when it came to me. But I'm not going to let my plans end because of the choices of a Pharaoh who was wrong. You know what I see that God did? He took that lump of clay that was Pharaoh, and he formed it into a vessel of dishonor and used it when he could have been a vessel of honor. Because Pharaoh chose to glorify himself and not God. God gave him what he wanted, and he hardened his heart. But God still used him to bring his glory. And that brings me back to the young man with the diapers. Isn't it amazing what a heart that is soft and yielded to the Lord is capable of doing? And some of you go, well, I'd, I'd never pay that kind of money to do that. You might, you might not. You may not be in a position to have to do that. But you may be in a position right now to have to be deciding about something that is going on in your life. And are you going to allow God to have his way in your life or not? What about you? Are you hardening your heart before God? Do you know that God is calling you to do something, say something, be something, but you are just going, no, because the cost is too high. I like my God status more than I like what he wants to do. Church, can I tell you, whether you're online or whether you're in this room, if you're fooling around with God and you're continuing to do that, one day his opportunity to give you a chance could end. Don't let that happen. Respond to him today. 